Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody, you might as well buy them from us. Help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that is exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode 102. Today is September 22nd, Friday, September 22nd, year of our Lord, 2023. And we're happy to be back again for another Friday evening. We're happy that you're here joining us, whether you're listening to the podcast or watching on one of the platforms, YouTube, Rumble, Getter, War Rooms, Getter, War Rooms, Rumble. If you're watching on Band.Video, if you're watching anywhere, uh, any, any place, anytime, anywhere in the world, we appreciate you. If you're listening, we appreciate you. If you're watching and listening back a day after, we appreciate that as well. Uh, there, is no, there is no time limit when it comes to Please Call Me Crazy. You can watch it and listen to it when you want to, and, and we're happy about that, and I, I like it that way. Um, we're very close to a million downloads. We're going to have to do a special celebration episode at a million downloads on the audio platform. Those audio platforms are Apple, Spotify, uh, Amazon, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Uh, you can listen to and find the podcast at any of those, those places. And other housekeeping, freepeopleradio.com is up and running. You can go to freepeopleradio.com to give you easy access or, or easy, uh, easy links to where you can watch and listen to the podcast. Our store will be up shortly. I know a lot of people want the Spit on the Floor t-shirt. I know a lot of people have inquired about the the uh, the wine hat that I wear on the show sometimes. I like I like that hat a lot too. Obviously, that's why I wear it. But but a lot of people ask questions about being able to get the, the wine hat. We have a local winery here in the Twin Cities um, called the Sovereign Estates Winery. It's a very, very beautiful winery. Um, in Waconia, and I'm very good friends with the owners of that winery. They're they're very very good people. They support me politically. They've shown me a lot of love and care. And and uh, the the hat was one of one of a few gifts that I've gotten from visiting the winery and and being there and attending a few events. Uh, these are good people. Good people still exist all around the world. Pe- good people still exist all around our great states and people still ex- good people still exist probably right around your very own community. So be optimistic and hopeful. The sovereign estate winery is, is one of those places with a few good people left. So we're going to work with, with them uh, in partnership with them to make sure that the wine hat is available on the free people radio store. Hopefully I'll see a lot of people start to, uh, to buy the the wine hat and and share with us online with a picture if you if you can that'll be that'll be cool so the store is coming soon be ready for that we'll definitely give you an update when the store is up and functional and let you know when it's uh it's ready for you to go and make some purchases we appreciate it every dollar helps look there is no more righteous money there is very little righteous money left um and and the reason why is obviously the corporations have monopolized many of the major major uh, industries and essential resources to their benefit so that many of us have no choice but to buy right into the same economic Ponzi scheme that means to enslave us and and um, undermine our citizenship. And I, I don't say that to be, uh, you know, uh, sensational. That is exactly what's happened. That That's why, you know, people ask me, well, how long have you been red-pilled? It's like, 
since 21, I guess. I mean, I was talking about a global corporate community, which in effect is globalism or globalization and the dangers of it morally, ethically, socially, politically, 10 years ago when I fought the NBA and everybody said, oh, it's just basketball. Well, it's just basketball. You know, it's, it's not that deep. It's not that serious. It's just people playing basketball. Why do we, why are we pretending or, or, or acting like these sports institutions are that important anyway? Right. But they are important and how we spend our money is important and how we spend our money in a society where we've all accepted a model of fiat currency uh, is very important, just as important uh, equally as uh, equally as important as uh, our vote. <clears throat> and yeah, there are certain systems in place and mechanisms in place that make it very hard to spend your dollar in a way that reflects your values. The same way there are many mechanisms in place that make it very hard to vote to reflect your your values as well. All a, a, an attempt to bastardize your citizenship. So. Um, how you spend your money is important, and, and we're not begging you for your money, but when we get the, the, the platforms up for you to be able to spend a few dollars to get some, uh, some memorabilia and some things that reflect the values of this show, the values of Free People Radio that hopefully align with your values there at home, we would hope that you, you find time and, and find, a, uh, uh, you know, find a way to, to spend a little bit of money with us and help, help out the movement. Um, sure. $500 million would have helped, no doubt. Uh, had I shut my mouth and, and you know, told the party line or, or went with the mainstream narrative, you know, put on a dress, I would, have been, I, would have, I would have easily been able to make a couple hundred million dollars, and then I could have funded all of this stuff on my own and, and not needed any, any financial help uh, to, to do what I'm doing. But that's not the case. And, and I thought there would have been something very disingenuous about that path. And I think respectfully to all the people who have uh, acquired a lot of wealth and, and now have had their eyes open to um, the dangers uh, of the corporate community, the global corporate community, the corporatocracy, and, and now are fighting against it. Um, there's still a, there's still a very real, uh, there's still a very real level of compromisation in their spirit that they have to reconcile. And that's between them and God. It's, it's between them and themselves, really. And it's between them and the people that they intend to serve, the public that they intend to serve. Myself, I feel somewhat untainted. I don't say that to be arrogant or, or to toot my own horn, but at 21 years old, I was given the proposition that many don't get until later on in their life. You know, that proposition to take the money and shut your mouth. We're seeing a lot of people give, being given that proposition right now. I was given it early on, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I was given that proposition early on, and I had the wherewithal and the courage and the, and the, the fortitude and the, the, uh, the perspective uh, to decline that proposition. And I can sit here before you now genuinely, um, genuinely unbought. Um, there isn't a there isn't an ounce of sellout in my voice, and there's not an ounce of sellout in this company, and there's not an ounce of sellout in our movement, because people such as myself are able to hold up the moral integrity of it, the moral backbone of it, through our choices, and more so through our sacrifices. and And I did make a great sacrifice, and uh, we all should be so lucky. So, without further ado, I want to just update you. There are a few stores coming. I love merchandise. I love 
I love apparel. I love clothes. I love clothing. Uh, if, if I wasn't in MMA mode, you would see me often in a suit and tie um, or, or what we call menswear because, first of all, I think a, a man in a suit, a suit is a sort of a social contract, a, a positive social contract, not a part of a, a Ponzi scheme or propaganda, but, but something that says a man takes himself seriously and he, he takes seriously the way that he dresses and the way that he prepares himself to go out in the world every day and interact with other people. That's something that we should keep and, and be proud of. It's something we've lost greatly, although um, the menswear industry has come a long way, even though far less people wear suits than any time in American history. Uh, the, the, the suits have not gotten any worse. In fact, uh, if you're a fan of, of suits and ties and menswear, we're going to find a company to either align ourselves with where you can go and and um, get your 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 menswear, uh, and and maybe if there isn't a company that we can align with that we like, uh, maybe I start my own. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Just started my own line of clothing that that reflects uh, the lifestyle of the rugged individualist. Uh, I'm thinking of a name. The name is in in, in beta right now. So uh, that that actually will happen eventually. But but um, everything in due time. So you would, you would normally see me in a suit and tie, but I'm in MMA mode. Going back and forth to the gym is not, uh, not, not really compatible with the suit and tie sort of lifestyle, and, and I don't want to become a, a, a suit and tie guy every day, all day, just yet. Although if I'm able to win my Senate campaign, I, I think that will be uh, expedited. But nonetheless, you'll, you'll start to see more suits and ties and more uh, menswear. So. You know, um, I love merchandise. I love I love being able to to create apparel and clothing that reflects my values and beliefs, especially in a time such as this. That's why I've had a lot of uh, T-shirts go viral from my time in the Big Three, and we will be selling those T-shirts. But they're a part of the I Flew Here series merchandise, which will be hosted on the Last Renaissance website, thelastrenaissance.com. You can find that website there now. It needs to be revamped some, but you'll, you'll, you'll get the gist. That is where you can, you know, it, it's more of a culture website. You can see books that I've read. Uh, there's a book club. There's, there's news that's aggregated across the entire panoply of, of, of internet um, stories, internet, uh, you know, publishing. Uh, so, uh, the last renaissance.com is is going to be a big piece of what we do continue uh, continue to do going forward and AJ Barker and I's podcast will also be uh, will will be held on the last renaissance.com and the last renaissance YouTube channel and there you can find the I flew here shirts like you know free the Uyghurs or Trump one or who killed Gaddafi or who killed JFK uh, the list goes on and up. Free Julian Assange, free Edward Snowden, uh, investigate Maui. So gain of function. I had somebody message me the other day about a gain of function T-shirt, and I hate having to tell them, just wait a second. It's coming. It's coming. We're getting it together. Uh, so we're, we're, we're trying our best to get that stuff together so people can get the merchandise that they're, that they're looking for. Uh, and I'm happy, to, I'm happy to be able to be a part of that. It's a way for me to... Um, it's a way for me to satisfy my creative, uh, my creative, uh, what do I want to call it? my creative appetites. Let's say. Right. Uh, so, without further ado, I want to get into the, into today's show. <clears throat> Hopefully, you tuned. If and first, 
special thank you to the War Room and, and the entire War Room posse, uh, the great Steve Bannon, Maureen Bannon, Grace Chong for, for streaming the podcast. We're doing incredible numbers on Rumble uh, on a nightly basis. Uh, I think the Deion Sanders episode from Monday is up around 100,000 views on Rumble, so you can find that on War Room's Rumble page. They also stream the podcast every night on Getter, and we want to say thank you to our Getter audience, the live audience. The live chat on Getter is always entertaining. Uh, thank you to the Getter audience out there for for your continued support and, and tuning in. Um, that is on War Room's Getter page. Uh, we also want to say thank you to our YouTube audience. Please, if you're in the chat, if you're in the live chat, <clears throat> we appreciate you being in the live chat. But please don't forget to go to the regular comment section and leave a comment. It helps to fight the algorithm. Make sure you hit the thumbs up if you're on Rumble or YouTube. If you're on one of the audio platforms, don't forget to leave a, a rating of your choice. I won't make you give us a five-star rating. But if you feel so inclined, we would appreciate a five-star rating, no doubt. But leave a review, whatever your review is. I, it doesn't matter to me. Hey, the audio's too low or, you know, the, the, the lighting's not bright enough or, you know, I wish you would talk more about this or I wish you would talk more about that or, hey, I really enjoy the content or, hey, I really appreciate the, the consistency. Whatever it is, just go on the, you know, the, the review section and, and leave a review if you can doesn't have to be a today doesn't have to be tomorrow but at some point as you continue to watch the podcast or listen to the podcast don't forget to engage by leaving comments and, and likes and things like that and sharing if you can so we can continue to grow the audience which we're going to do more ourselves as a as an announcement uh, i will be starting to post reaction videos because there's plenty to react to. Uh, and uh, I think the reaction videos can be fun. They can be humorous. They can be lighthearted. But it also gives me a chance to give that real-time reaction to some of the crazy stuff that we're seeing today out there in the world. So look forward to that. And you'll be able to distinguish my reaction videos quite easily on the YouTube channel, which we're working through right now. But we, we pretty much have it sorted out how we're going to make that e easily distinguishable. It'll probably be color coordinated where you'll see all of my reaction videos have a, a similar cutter, color pattern. As well as we're going to start posting shorts so that you can uh, post uh, or re or share uh, the shorts. Uh, you know, we, we're living in the TikTokification of social media and, and we play by the rules that are set in some, in some ways. In some ways, I've already rejected the rules that, that are set. When I started the podcast, people said, Oh, keep them 30 minutes and keep them 40 minutes or less. People's attention spans are short and blah, 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 blah. Well, here we are. We're having, you know, relatively good success. Hard to know how much of, of, uh, of, of my subscribers on YouTube are a reflection of YouTube's desire to censor the type of things that I talk about. We can never really, really know, obviously. Or, my traffic and views and numbers on other platforms would suggest that YouTube is is uh, probably doing something to slow the momentum of the channel, which only we the people can can fight against, which is uh, a microcosm of of the broader situation here in America and around the world for free people. We the people actually are the power and our complicity with the scams, with the tyranny is what ultimately feeds it, <clears throat> which, which, which is what ultimately gives it all of its authority and, and all of its power. So with all that being said, let's get into today's show. I want to talk about three things. I want to break the show into three different parts. Number one, I want to talk a little bit about Deion Sanders and Jason Whitlock. So we'll do that. 
Uh, number two, I want to discuss Barack Obama, as I'm sure you saw earlier today on Fearless with Jason Whitlock. He and I talked a little bit about this this American Idols idea with Deion Sanders and Barack Obama uh, being the the example, or, or or Deion Sanders being an example of a new iteration of Barack Obama. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but also, I, you know, I want to talk about Barack Obama himself as, as a political figure and the Democrat Party and, and some of what the Democrat Party is now trying to do with Joe Biden and potentially Kamala Harris, and Gavin Newsom in California. So we'll get into some of that. And last but not least, I, I certainly want to touch on Maui and, and what's unfolding there in Maui or or the lack of what has unfolded there in Maui, because we must keep those people in our thoughts and prayers. These are American citizens in the Pacific, and, and despite what these uniparty D.C. Finocchios want to tell you about being an Atlanticist, an Atlantic power, being an Atlanticist, we are not an Atlantic, we are not an Atlantic power, we are not Atlanticists, we are not European, we are... American, and quite frankly, we are a Pacific power. Um, or at least for the time being, we need to view ourselves as a Pacific power. And so we'll talk of some about that and, and the significance of how of, of Hawaii and Maui and the Pacific Ocean and the South China Sea and the war that we fought with Japan and Pearl Harbor and some of those things. So without further ado, let's get into it. Number one, you know, Jason, yeah, first off, I love Jason Whitlock. I love Jason. I love Fearless. I love the Fearless audience. I love the entire Fearless crew, despite whether or not I agree with them on certain issues. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. I love those guys. We're like a family, and, you know, people within a family disagree. That's fine. Actually, that's healthy, especially when it comes to politics. If you don't have any disagreement, then you're probably in an echo chamber, and you probably have some cookie cutter perspective that's been fed to you. It's not authentic. It's not original. It's not your own. But for the most part, we are ideologically aligned in, in many ways on, in, in, in the fearless crew as well. Uh, and I love Jason. And, and obviously he's the leader of the, of the movement in, in that respect. And he has been very gracious to me to allow me to be a part of his team and allow me to contribute on fearless on a continual and, and regular basis. Um, and I'm thankful for that because honest to God, before I met Jason, before I met Steve, before I met Alex Jones, these, these three individuals that many would like to, uh, describe as conspiracy theorists or, or in some cases, domestic terrorists or, or, or grifters or whatever the case may be. Um, surely I don't think anybody out there listening right now or anybody who would come to sit down and have a conversation with me in any real way, face to face, would have the audacity to call me a grifter or, or, you know, disingenuous in any way. I think the conversations that I have on this podcast are a reflection of my desire to have the most honest and genuine dialogue that that I can possibly have with whoever shows up to have it. Uh, and there are times on the show where me and Jason have disagreed. There are times on the show where War Room where me and Steve have disagreed. And then there are times where me and Alex have disagreed. Fewer and far between with Alex because out of all the shows, I probably uh, do, do Info Wars the least because Alex is a machine. He does Info Wars all by himself. The man is a, a living legend. And so when I get time to talk to Alex, and, and, and again, Alex 
the thing about Alex, the reason why it'd be very, it, it's seldom that me and Alex disagree on anything is because Alex covers such a wide variety of global political issues. Um, and he's so unafraid to dive into the deepest end of the pool uh, that you just kind of have to admire and respect his willingness to do so. And, and at that end of the pool, we all know that it's likely all of us will trip all over ourselves because, you know, who's smart enough and competent enough, let alone brave enough to even swim in those waters? Not many of us. So, you know, hats off to, to Alex Jones for, for doing that. Um, Steve is another one. You know, he is very middle of the middle of the row. And I don't mean middle of the row as in a centrist or a uniparty purveyor of the status quo. I mean middle of the row in that he doesn't really uh, he doesn't really deviate from the point. He doesn't really deviate from his point. And I think his intellectual um, his intellectual guidance and leadership in this movement is much of why the America First nationalist populist movement is on the move, is on the rise, and has come to the place it's come. The 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 contribution of Steve Bannon is almost unquantifiable. Uh, Jason Whitlock is of a completely different variety. He is this this newer to politics blend of sports and culture and 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 Christianity and and the black man's take on 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 these types of issues and trying to blend them together. Why am I prefacing the conversation today with that with that distinguish uh, with with that uh, distinction? I think it's I think it's so wild to see people be so bent out of shape that Jason Whitlock wanted to spend a week talking about Deion Sanders. And and to be transparent, I personally told Jason long ago on the show and in private, stop talking about sports so much. I, I, the sports, it's nothing. It, it, and it really is nothing. And this is coming from somebody who came onto the public scene trying to articulate how sports is a microcosm of the greater ills of society, specifically the NBA, but more so American professional sports as you know the watering hole of the corporatocracy. So I get it. And I understand trying to convey to people um, significant political messages through the medium that they pay attention to. But in full transparency, I told Jason, you've outgrown that. And I think he has outgrown that. I think the fearless conversation and and uh, Jason as a as a commentator, as a writer, uh, Jason as as a public figure, Jason as as a leader of of an ideological movement has really outgrown the sports. And that's funny because I was just talking to my team the other day about the Royce White show that we're going to be starting here shortly on Saturday nights. It's going to be one. One night a week, but we're going to go two and a half hours and we're going to have call-ins and, and you know, videos and, and reactions and all kinds of things like that. Um, live chat questions and, you know, just everything you can pack into one, one nightly weekend show. Um, I was just talking about potentially doing sports or commenting on sports. Uh, and so, you know, there's a balancing act is what I'm trying to say. There's a balancing act. And we all have come to a place, our society, our, our, our culture, our nation, uh, our communities have come to a place where we have a tough decision in front of us. We've put ourselves in this place. We didn't get here uh, by coincidence. We didn't get here. We didn't arrive here by chance. We walked here voluntarily, and that's part of the problem. And, and part of that problem for a person like Jason Whitlock or myself is we have to continuously try and balance uh, 
the message that we're building for the people that need to hear it and what our individual beliefs are. And that's tough to do. And you'll have many people make an argument, hey, it's all about the audience. In fact, many people will make this argument on behalf of Deion Sanders and the way he's going about the Colorado college football team and, and, and the, the celebrities that he's brought around or the sort of, or the sort of uh, theater that he's made out of the, the Colorado uh, success or the Colorado season so far. And, you know, there's no signs of him stopping. And I don't necessarily disagree with it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, indifferent about any of these things, but I'm not here to yet take a hard line position. And I'll tell you why as I get more towards the end of this, this, this piece of the conversation about Jason and Dion. But, but again, to start, what I'm saying is, look, Jason Whitlock's in a very, very tough position. We're all in a tough position as commentators. It's very hard to know um, what people, not only what people will pay attention to, what people are interested in, but what will motivate people to, to, uh, to meaningful action. It's very, very difficult to know. I'm just going to tell you, as a, as a person who's now been on the public scene for you know, quite a few years and now started my own podcast and then broadcasting myself, it's very difficult to know. I mean, we all want to believe, hey, if you have the most truthful, honest conversation, everything will take care of itself. Yes and no. Potentially, but not always. Ideally, but prepare for the worst. And the worst is, the worst case scenario is that the Matrix has such a firm grip on the minds of individuals scattered all across the country and all across the world that no message, no message that is crafted by any one individual will have the, the, the potency or the, the salience to hold the interest of, of the average man or woman or child. That's the worst case scenario. And quite honestly, it, it would appear that the worst case scenario is upon us. This is what the CIA was on the record saying. This is what the CIA has done. This is what your intelligence community has done. This is what your military industrial complex has done. And people go, oh, you're talking about the CIA and military industrial complex. It's way over people's heads. It's, hey, you may not be interested in the military industrial complex, but I guarantee you it's very interested in you. And it's very interested in Jason Whitlock. And it's very interested in what Jason Whitlock is able to accomplish with his, with his platform and with his dialogue. And so I say again, he's in a very tough position. Do I agree that we should spend a lot of time talking about Deion Sanders? No. Do I think Deion Sanders is low-hanging fruit? Absolutely. Do I think that Jason Whitlock's uh, um, decision to talk about Deion Sanders is a reflection that he's afraid to talk about more important issues? No, of course not. He spent two years talking about all the most important issues you could possibly talk about. And I can't speak on behalf of him. And he and I haven't pre had a had a, a conversation, a preemptive conversation about this. I'm just doing this. I was on the show earlier this evening, and and I'm doing my podcast now, and 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 you know I'm watching the conversation. I'm I'm getting feedback about Deion Sanders and and Jason this week, and and I thought that I'd speak on it. And again, we're coming to a point where we have to make a tough decision. You know, there's in a, in a flight uh, path there's always what they call a point of no return. Point of no return is if I get past this place in the flight path, 
um, we're not turning back to go this way. We're going to either land at the nearest airport or airfield or we're going all the way to our final destination. And it's very hard to know as a species, as a, as a global society, as a nation, uh, if we are past that point of no return. And what, what is that point in, in this context? Uh, that point is, do we go back do we go back to the fundamentals? Do we go back to the first principles immediately? Or do we try and reach people in the context of the society with which we've built and then slowly try and work our way back to the fundamentals and the first principles? This is a very, very difficult question to answer. I mean, this is, this is at the very, the very depth or the very far end of what anybody who has a voice is trying to, to, to calculate and comprehend. And people are going to make mistakes and people are going to get it right. And it's going to be a constant, you know, push and pull uh, for for finding that sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't think we should be talking about Deion Sanders much longer than about tonight, to be honest. And that's not that's not a knock on Jason. I get it. And let me get let me let me let me say in Jason's defense. The amount of motion, the amount of the amount of emotional um, investment that people have shown in Deion Sanders as an individual by responding to Jason's coverage of Deion Sanders actually kind of makes Jason point. Believe it or not, like it or not, many of you out there who have responded with this sort of emotional vigor about Jason's coverage of Deion Sanders or Jason's coverage of any black celebrity, black public figure, black athlete, kind of proves his point. Now, it leaves Jason out there on an island, sort of, by himself, allowing the people's anger and resent and, 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 uh, and, and animus build up against him. But man, what a noble thing. What a noble thing to speak a truth that nobody, that, that, that is so unpopular that people within your own community, uh, pile on to, to uh, you know, insult you, to say the very least. And, you know, again, in fairness to Jason, in fairness to Jason, Deion Sanders is not your savior. Um, now people will say, uh, well, nobody's making him our savior. We just want to watch football and we just want to enjoy, you know, the game and we want to be entertained and we want to support Deion Sanders and in, in his journey for success and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In the small context of, of you watching a football game on a Saturday night or a Sunday night or during the week or, or 24, seven, 365 days a year. Right, because that's what we're talking about. And I think that's what makes jo Jason's point about Deion Sanders so important. Let's stop acting like there's one hour of one day during the week that is dedicated to sports. And in that hour, we just all want to sort of escape from the bigger issues in society during that one hour. And when that one hour is over, everybody goes back to the hard grind of trying to fix what we've broken in our society. That is bullshit. And we all fucking know it. It's bullshit. Sports in America and now sports all around the world has become a 24-7, 365-day distraction. And in that way, 
it may in fact be the most dangerous, the most dangerous societal norm that we're faced with. Not the military industrial complex, not the, 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 the grimy crony capitalist DC uniparty elite, not, not global governing agencies or bodies like the World Health Organization or the party of Davos and the World Economic Forum, not Wall Street, not the Federal Reserve, not the IMF, you know, the International Monetary Fund or the World Bank, not uh, uh, the, the, the shadow government or, or the deep state, not any of those institutions. The most dangerous societal norm we face is that our distraction has become so profound, we have trouble even talking about those issues. When we talk about them, it's always in this balancing act between sports and the thing that we need to be discussing. And then to make it even worse, to double and triple down, the establishment tries to make the sports political so that when you talk about politics, you talk about it in this sort of warped, sports-like way. Even our politics themselves have become very sporty. That's why I say sports is important. Don't get it twisted. It's not the most important thing. It's the most important distraction, and the sports have become the new religion. It's not by accident that religion is on a downward trajectory and all of these pseudo-religions have now popped up. I know people would say, we don't call their religion a pseudo-religion. A lot of these religions are pseudo-religions. I'm just going to be honest with you. And, you know, one of them is sports itself. So you kind of prove Jason's point when you have this strange emotional connection to Deion Sanders, this this saga uh, uh, in, in Colorado, Colorado's success as a football program. And for the black folks, you specifically almost prove Jason's point categorically when you say, oh, every time one of the black people, you know, rise up and is successful, you always got to tear them down. You actually are the highest level of controlled opposition. Let me tell you why. You are, the, you, you are in effect, the high. Those people who say that a Jason Whitlock is only saying the things he's saying to try and bring down or tear down other black people are the highest form of controlled opposition. Because what you want people to believe when you make those comments in public is that the black identity, which carries a history of oppression and, and systemic injustice, is what you're out to defend. But in effect, what you do, knowingly or unknowingly, is you allow for black puppets to stand vanguard over the black identity, number one, but also the status quo. And it's a status quo that is, that is run by and benefited off of by white elites, white globalist elites to be more specific, white neoliberal and neoconservative elites to be very specific, the Uniparty. The Uniparty is the sole benefactor of black people's identity when you talk that way about anybody who criticizes anyone else with black skin who steps up on the podium under the spotlight. That is the, that is the truth. And it's not about Deion Sanders. And I like that Jason Whitlock had the wherewithal to bring Barack Obama into the conversation because what he's really upset at, which I share his frustration with, is our proclivity as black people to cling to these, these, these puppet leaders. Now, Dion's a little, and there is a difference between Dion and Barack Obama, and I stated it earlier on the show with Jason. The difference is Dion has always been a supreme athlete, and when you grow up a supreme athlete, when you grow up an elite athlete at the level that Dion prime signed, 
Dion Primetime Sanders did, who I watched in the 90s. I'm a 90s kid, born in 91, loved the Dallas Cowboys. I love Dion Sanders. Um, when you, but when you come up that way, you live in a bubble. You live in a, a bubble of your own celebrity, and that's by design. And it's for Dion the same way it's for Michael Jordan, the same way it was for Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Tom Brady, Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Tiger Woods. You pick an athlete, I'll show you somebody who, who came up in this sort of bubble of celebrity. It's very hard to see beyond the barrier of that bubble. Very, very difficult. It's even more difficult to speak beyond the barrier of that bubble because there is an inferred, there is an inferred consequence for those who dare use a platform given to them by the CIA and the media industrial complex to speak against the CIA and the media industrial complex. It's, 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 it's implied that you shouldn't do it. And so many athletes, without even knowing why they don't want to talk about certain things, don't talk about certain things. That's Deion Sanders. Barack Obama, Mr. Community Organizer brought up politically from a young age by two very political parents. He knew exactly what role he was playing in this whole public theater. He knew exactly what, he, what, what, what role he filled, what role he played, what he was meant to accomplish, and he accomplished it, a lot of it. And there's a reason why they've rewarded him so handsomely. Because what they set him out to do, he was very, very successful at. And it was people like Deion Sanders who helped him be successful. That's the connection between them. That's the connection we must see today that Jason's trying to point out. Is Yeah, Deion Sanders is the black elite, is the black celebrity, is the black athlete, is the black public figure that becomes the pseudo-intellectual who helps Black people stay on the Democrat plantation, stay in the Democrat party for pennies on the dollar, for nothing on the dollar, for, for nothing on the dollar. Actually, we pay them. We pay them for our complicity in their agenda. And they control the entire narrative. They control the entire system. They, in, they control the entire world's resources. They're in charge. Make no mistake about it. They are in charge. Who do you people think, who do you think Viacom is? Who do you think ESPN is? Who do you think these people are? You think that they would cover Deion Sanders the way that they are if it wasn't beneficial to their agenda? And this is the baseline question we have to start to ask ourselves as black people, but as Americans in general. Do you really think, do you really think with everything going on in the world today, that they would give Deion Sanders this type of, 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 of support, that they would give Deion Sanders this type of platform while they're deplatforming people like Russell Brand, do you think that they would give Deion this type of support and platform if it wasn't advantageous to their agenda? It's a twofer. It's a twofer. The, the, the sports, sports, is one of the few places that we all go to feel that sense of camaraderie, to feel that sense of overcoming obstacles and adversity in pursuit of a greater good. And so in that way, to prop somebody false up or to prop up a false narrative to distract people from the bigger problems serves as a twofer. 
Not only do you have a black man that can call upon the black identity and keep black people marching in line, but you also give anybody else who wants to feel like they're a part of the under uh, the underdog story the satisfaction of riding the coattails and the bandwagon of Deion Sanders. That's what we're talking about here, and it's rightful to discuss it. It's rightful to point it out. It's rightful to mention it. Absolutely, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. We need to ask ourselves. Who are our leaders? Who are our leaders and why have, what happened to Kanye West? What happened to Kanye West? I wonder would Deion Sanders bring Kanye West to the game? There's a question. There's a litmus test. And it's not that I support any and everything Kanye West said. Of course not. In fact, I'm on the internet going viral talking about Kanye West and and questioning, in effect, who Kanye West is, who any of these people are. We should que- you should question who I am. Now, the difference is I would happily come to any public forum, any public setting with any, uh, any number of, of people or anybody who sat across from me in debate and tell people exactly who I am. No problem. Actually, I wake up in the morning for it, really. I'm, I like that more than anything. That, the prospect of that is why I'm built for a time such as this. It actually excites me. The chance to be able to do so, to, to, to tell people who I am, because I think who I am is, is partly an antidote for, for how we've gotten down this, this dangerous rabbit hole of, of, of authoritarian governance in, in America. But where did Kanye West go? And would these people who loved Kanye West, who played Kanye West's music, who, who were all in for Kanye West when he was doing much of what Deion Sanders is, is postulating now, George Bush don't like black people. Jesus walks with the black folks in chains. And, 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 and Taylor Swift wins the award because she's the white country singer or, or she's the, the teeny bop pop sensation. And Beyonce was really supposed to win the award because her music and her music videos were better. Everybody was willing to do the same thing with Kanye West then that they're doing with Deion Sanders now. And as soon as Kanye West stepped out of line, you all ran for the hills. And when Deion Sanders gets ready to step out of line or starts to lose and not have success, you all are run for the hills. It's a reflection of you being a sellout. It's not about Deion Sanders or Kanye West or Jason Whitlock. It's about you. And so Jason has to speak to the narrative because the narrative is really about you and the way that you think about the things that are going on in society, the things that are going on in front of you. That's what it's about. It's not about Dion. It's not about hating on Dion. It's not about wishing bad on Dion. Nobody wishes bad on Dion. And look, I'm not, I'm not going out of what my way to defend Jason because I said I think we're about done talking about Dion Sanders. Now, Jason's a grown man. He can talk about whatever he wants. He can go talk about Dion for another, another week. I told Jason, you can talk about Dion in football for another year if you want to. You're a grown man. You, 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 you earned the right to be able to do that. And let's be quite frank. You are talking about a person who, who made a career off of, off of sports journalism and had the entire sports journalism community, or at least the, the, the hedge, the, the, you know, the, the head powers, the, the, head, the head honchos of the sports journalist industry, blackball him. And that's the, that's the reality. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. Jason Whitlock was destined to be blackballed the moment he decided to start focusing or prioritizing a Christian narrative. He was destined to be blackballed. A black man? A black man talking about Christianity in the sports journalist world? Are you kidding me? 
Sports is the most tacit, liberal-leaning industry in the entire American political culture. That's, how, that's why all, pro, the, all the pro sports have gone woke, and that's why Jason continues to talk about it. He's a victim of it. So I told him, look, you can talk about sports for the, the, uh, another year, but what I will say, and what I'm going to say right now is, there are much more important things to discuss now, right now. Over the past year, over the past two years, during my time on Fearless, sure, things have gotten bad, things have been worse at different times, but what we're faced with right now today is as bad as it's ever been. It is literally as bad as it's ever been. I'm going to try my hardest to make sure that Jason interviews Alex Jones so that he can articulate, even if, even if Jason doesn't post it on YouTube because you can't post Alex Jones on YouTube, although I would love to see Jason try to really fight back against YouTube's tyranny um, to, to really allow Alex to articulate much, much better than I can um, where we've come to in, in society today as American citizens. Sports is at the bottom of the heap. And it's not that everybody doesn't have their role to play. I just think that Jason, personally, in my opinion, Jason has a much, much more important role in commentating and speaking about these issues and articulating them for the average person uh, and, and, and writing about them than a lot of the people who I see writing about them at, the, at their level or in their, in their little area, right? It's about time we st- it's about time we stop talking about Deion Sanders. And uh, again, you know, D- the the flip side of the coin is yes, Deion Sanders is a, is an incredible foot. He was an incredible football player. He's having success right now as a coach. Let it be what it is. Let it be what it is. If you're watching and you want to see them win, you think he's an underdog. Fine. If you think that he's doing something bad for the game of football and it's not the right way to coach, fine, 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 fine. All good. The problem with it is we're on our way to nuclear war. And I say that and people, I, I think, I think, you know, the, the prosperity and privilege of the American citizen, whether you be black, white, Asian, Mexican, whatever the case may be, man, woman, child, elder, doesn't matter. The prosperity and privilege of the American society is that we have not had to, we have, we have not yet felt the brunt blow. The blunt, the blunt force of kinetic war. It's been a long time since we felt the blunt force of kinetic war. Now, many people would take us back to 9-11. Again, I'd probably, I'd probably, probably stay away from that one. That now more than ever seems like it could have been the blunt force of an inside job. And when I say inside job, maybe not necessarily the American government, maybe not the American military, but cooperating militaries or governments from across the world. And we can talk more about that, and maybe I'll dedicate a whole show to that next week. Uh, I want to get into UFOs next week, so we're probably going to have four episodes because I want to throw an extra UFO episode in and just ask the question of what we're looking at and what we're dealing with in that regard. But we're on the precipice of of full-blown kinetic war with Russia. I mean, the, the elitists, the Atlanticists in our, in our uh, political elite class have finally gotten their way. They, they wanted a war with Russia. They, wanted, they had a hard-on for Russia, and then here we go. Here we go. We've been giving them tanks. We've been giving them money while staying 
You know, we're not officially at war with Russia. We're at war with Russia. We are at war with the most sophisticated nuclear superpower in the world. Russia's nuclear, Russia's nuclear arsenal is bigger than ours, and their, their, their nuclear uh, t- technology and capabilities surpass ours, or at least that's what our military wants to say. Now, you could argue our military wants to say that to try and justify funding and, and black budgets for their own pockets. But regardless, we know that Russia has more nuclear warheads than we do. Their ability to deliver them or not, okay, that's up for debate. You don't really know what somebody has until everybody draws down, right? And don't forget the Russians are masters of secrets. You can't trust them as far as you can throw them. Their secrets have secrets. The KGB is a very, very, and was a very, very secretive and dangerous organization. Make the, Nazi, make, make the Nazis look like school children. I mean, these people are coordinated. And the war between the Nazis and the Russians never really ended because, remember, Operation Paperclip, we brought Nazis into our own government, our own military, to, to try and bolster the sophistication of our own rocket, rocket technology because we wanted to go to space, the race for space, right? And it's not by accident, even more strange, I'll throw this out there for you to ponder, it's strange that the American government and the Russian government are still collaborating on space initiatives while we're all at war here on the ground. Things to consider. Things that I think Jason Whitlock should bring on to his, his platform and his show and really let the American people, whether you watch sports or not, let the American people question, let the American people know about and let them, let them ponder as we get ready to enter an election cycle that may be the most important in American history. So, yeah, Deion Sanders in that respect is small potatoes. He's an ant on an elephant farm, right, in, in that respect. But, again, to go back to it, there sure is a lot of cultural momentum. And if you're black and if you're part of the sports world or if you're into if you're jacked into pop culture, you can tell when a narrative gets a certain well, hits a certain type of of momentum. You can tell when a, when a narrative hits a certain type of of wave. And, and this Deion Sanders narrative has a unique wave to it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, wow. Wow. And you can see and you can see it in the responses. Like. Really? Black people? Our, our America, the standing of our politics in America is hedged upon Deion Sanders' uh, you know, results as a, as a college football coach. Now that's going to be the metric for our point of entry into the corrupt, white supremacy-led established. Oh, give me a fucking break. Come on. You're letting white liberal women teach your sons to cut their penis off, and you think our political power or our political destiny hedge, is hedged upon Deion Sanders and his success? Deion Sanders won't speak out against the LGBTQ. He won't tell white women to stop telling. He, he won't tell liberal white women or the Democrat Party as a political platform to stop having our young black men cut their penises off or engage in homosexual intercourse, which they have a 50% lifetime risk of contracting HIV. If they do so, gay black men in America have a 50% lifetime risk of contracting HIV. It's, it's a pandemic. It's, it's an epidemic of, of HIV contraction in gay black men. He won't do that. And I'm supposed to what? I'm, I'm supposed to throw flowers for what? I'm not in sports. 
My life doesn't revolve around sports. I'm not at the tu- I'm not at the tube every day or every weekend waiting for Sports Center to come on and look at the results of the scores. And my, my life doesn't revolve around that. My son plays basketball. My younger son plays basketball. My daughter just signed up for volleyball. They're all in sports, and I encourage them to take it serious, work hard, and go as far as you can go. As far as I went, my son's probably going to be taller than me. He started earlier than me. I mean, he 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 started later than me. But he started earlier than me in taking the game serious at, the, at, at a level where he could have great success because he had a better coach than I had. My dad didn't coach me. My grandfather contributed a bit, but, but my dad, my father wasn't there to coach me. He was a great basketball player himself, let, let, let a lot of people tell it. 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, could shoot the ball, played the wing, had hops, hands as big as mine. My hands were th- third all time in, the, in measurement for the NBA draft combine. I have one of the biggest pairs of hands in NBA history. My dad's hands are as big as mine. Certain natural gifts, you know, give you a bump when it comes to to sports. It's just the way it is. Biological gifts. Something to remember. But my dad wasn't there to train me. You know, my my, uh, passion for basketball, my grandmother was the first one to put me in basketball at five years old. South St. Paul played for the Packers. Played in South St. Paul and, in in, you know, with, with the blue-collar, middle-class white folks in South St. Paul, right? Working class, middle class, lower the, lower, the, lower the middle class white folks. That's where I started playing basketball. Then I came back to the hood, played in the hood. Then I went to the north side, which was a little more hood. Then I came back to the east side, which is even more grimier and hood than the north side. And finally, I found myself at the private school, De La Salle, right there in the middle of downtown Minneapolis with the best coach I could have possibly ended up with. Didn't work out. Won a state championship. Had to transfer from De La Salle. Ended up at the next best coach I could have possibly ended up with, with Kenny Novak Jr. at Hopkins High School. Won a state championship there. Went undefeated. Had the privilege to 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 play and and be coached by Tubby Smith, although I didn't play for him. And then I was able to play for Fred Hoiberg, who is an incredible coach in basketball. Mine got drafted. Played for the great Kevin McHale for a small time. When I was with the Rockets, was able to be around Kevin McHale, who is one of the best NBA power forwards of all time, who they went after because he was seen at a Trump rally. I haven't talked to Kevin McHale since, but I'd love to talk to him and maybe get him on the podcast. His name always comes up as all-time Minnesota greats basketball. I think I would have given Kevin McHale problems myself personally, but we'll never know now. But the point is, I, my, my passion for basketball came from a, an, an organic and, and genuine upbringing in the community. My son's going to be much different. My son already had, he had me right there to tell him, this is what you have to work on. This is what you have to think about. This is how you have to approach the game. So I'm not anti-sports. I tell you that whole story to obviously convey, I'm not anti-sports. I'm not shitting on sports. And because I'm not shitting on sports, how could I shit on Deion Sanders and being a head coach and, and want his sons to have success and being willing to take time out of his life, which he could be doing anything he wants, to, to pour into his kids and to, and to continue on the legacy of his children. I mean, to, to continue on his legacy of being a supreme and elite athlete through his children. Yeah, there's a part of Deion Sanders, Jason, we need to embrace. And I'm sure he, Jason has said that on the show. 
And I'm sure that they'll cut a bunch of clips up of what Jason has said about Deion Sanders to make you think that he doesn't have a balanced opinion because what they really don't want is you to consider Jason Whitlock's balanced opinion about things outside of Deion Sanders. But I'll say it again for those who may not have heard it. Yeah, we want Deion Sanders to pour into his sons. We want men and we want American men to be concerned with their legacy. We want American men to view legacy as an important, an important thing. So much so we hope men stop letting uh, 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 liberal, liberal teachers teach, the, teach their sons to cut their penis off because that, that'll kill your legacy. That, that, could kill a leg, that could kill a man's legacy quite, quite definitively. But we, we, we like that. I like that about Dion. Yeah, coach your sons. I, I can see myself being right there on the sideline. I can see myself going six years in the Senate and retiring from the Senate and, and being able to, uh, you know, be right there on the sideline cheering for my son the same way Dion's doing for his or having more kids and coaching them coming up and becoming a head coach of a college team, although they probably wouldn't let me because myself personally, I would be seen as a threat and a harm of, of a far right wing, far right wing political ideologies that, that are microaggressions on campus probably, right? All of us right-wingers are dangerous to, to college students who want to identify as sheep or goats or fairies or, or uh, puppies or, or unicorns or, or uh, you know, aliens or, or men or women or Zizims or whatever the fuck else they identify as. Us, us sane and logical American traditional men are seen as domestic terrorists even. Dion doesn't want to cross over into that realm. I get it. I get it. You're towing the line. You're just worried about football. But isn't this what we? Isn't this what the left has always criticized certain athletes for? And, and maybe I don't know. It's hard to take a. It's hard to take a head count out there of where people really stand. I mean, all we can do is listen to the, listen to what comes out of the zeitgeist to try and know where people really are on these issues. I don't know where people are even at. I I I grew up I grew up in a community that that always thought it was a, a um, thought it was a, a a missed opportunity to say the least for athletes not to use their platform for to speak about the biggest issues. Isn't was it wasn't this the the, the late criticism of Michael Jordan? Didn't Arthur Ashe and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and and all these other athletes? Criticize Michael Jordan for having this platform, having this spotlight, and not talking about the most most serious issues, which at the time was racism. Right, that was the issue everybody wants to talk about. Now we're talking about racism, but the entire race narrative has changed, and you all know it. You all know it. It's being black. Come on, you guys want to talk about being black? This, this narrative is protecting black people. And to be honest, it's putting black women up on a pedestal. Black men are an afterthought. Black men are only good when we're dead or gay. Or when we play a sport or when we have a skill elite enough to entertain people and distract them from the government and the institutions who profit from it, taking the rights of all those who are spectating. That's the value of the black man. In today's culture, in today's society, that's the value that's been given to the black man. That's the position that's been given to the black man. It would be Deion Sanders. It could be Jay-Z Lil Wayne. It could be 
Dave Chappelle. You know, Dave Chappelle's he's right on the line. He's 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 throwing some some curveballs in there. But yet and still, he'll say enough for the party line to keep everybody in in alignment, so to speak. He he hasn't been deplatformed. You'll know Dave Chappelle's really crossed the line when they demonetize him or deplatform him. When they take Dave Chappelle's comedy specials off of Netflix, then you'll know he's arrived at the persona non grata status. Hasn't done it yet. I don't know why. Maybe he's a fucking wizard. Maybe he's a fucking master, and he knows just how to how to weave the political narrative and, and dialogue to stay relevant and stay stay up on the, uh, the 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 stage in the spotlight to say things that need to be said. And he has said things that need to be said. And all I'm saying is, this is a fine line to try and walk. Dave Chappelle, just like Jason Whitlock, two of course two totally different lists when it comes to being famous and celebrity and a public figure. But even part of that is a Fugazi. I mean, there's so many people who listen to Jason Whitlock that, that they don't want you to realize listen to Jason Whitlock. But the point is, Dave Chappelle's doing the same thing. He's trying to balance, hey, how can I say the thing that needs to be said but still stay relevant and on the stage long enough to reach people who I want to reach? And then there's the personal greed and ego and pride that comes into it where, where I start to think about me and it, it, it's no longer about the greater good. We all struggle with that. We all struggle with that. Jason Whitlock, no different, no different than Royce White. Now, it just, it just so happens the way I came up, the way I came up makes me unique. And I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just giving it to you raw. I'm just giving it to you real, 100% authentic. The way I, my story, my story uniquely positions me to be as radical as they come. Because I walked out into that, that wilderness. I walked out alone onto that plank and jumped and, and gave the, the, you know, gave the, the crew, gave all the sailors, gave all the pirates the finger as I fell off into the deep end of the ocean. And I survived it. I survived. I, I fell off that plank and I was able to wiggle out of those ropes. And I was able to tread water. And I was able to avoid the sharks. I was able to survive that open water out there. I survived it. So now today, there's not, there's not an ounce of me that thinks about anything else other than the truth, the most unabashed and radical truth I could possibly manifest while I have the time to talk to you about it. That's who I am. And I'm, but I'm unique. Because unlike Jason, who came from a corporate world with some success before he really began to to do what he's doing now, just like Deion Sanders, came from having the success first, came from having the grandiose position first where everybody loved him and the media was all for him and, and so on and so forth, all the endorsements and whatnot, you know, on all the Tonight Shows. Dave Chappelle came from having success with the Chappelle Show and other things like that. These people came from a successful start. At the start, I was already motherfucking these people. I was motherfucking David Stern and those guys from the word go, which is why they've, and, and there, there's a degree. Understand, there is a list and there is a degree of severity of which people have transgressed against the establishment. Me, I'm high up on that list, which is why I'm low, low down on the, on the um, I'm low on the traffic, right? And depending on your degree, they will allow you to have a certain level of, of success and audience, right? 
opposition, controlled opposition. And sometimes the controlled opposition doesn't know it's the controlled opposition. Sometimes the controlled opposition is is unknowingly placed in a position to uphold the perception of friction in a given narrative, in a given set of, 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 uh, of cultural beliefs. That's how advanced the people are we're fighting against. And I'm watching it right now with Ron DeSantis. It's another great example. Not of the black variety, but of the political variety. Ron DeSantis is over there on the right, trying to outflank Donald Trump on the right on all the cultural wedge issues, which serve as a twofer. If I talk about transgenderism and abortion as my, as my cornerstone issues, and I take a far right position on those issues, now I alienate all the moderate and, and uh, left of center Democrats who could potentially vote for a Republican in a swing election. Right. Right. But I but 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 I also, in a way, undermine the the belief or the enthusiasm about Donald Trump's candidacy by claiming that I'm more nationalist or far right than Donald Trump is. And this is where I would disagree with with fearless contributors T.J. Moe and Delano Squires. All of us seem to be very unaware of or unwilling to accept the real the real, the, the real threat of controlled opposition. This DeSantis isn't easy, and that's what's funny about it. There are ones that are hidden to even me. There are ones that, that are hard for me to see, for an Alex to see, who venture off into that, that part, that deep into the pool, for Steve Bannon to see. There are people who we would assume are America firsters, and then they pop up and you're like, whoa, whoa, you pulled that? Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example who is still a darling over here in the conservative movement somehow. She's a fucking sellout. Kevin McCarthy, sellout. And Donald Trump endorsed him. We don't know why. We all would want an answer. We, we pretty much can, can write it off as Donald Trump is doing his best as Dave Chappelle, as Jason Whitlock, as a Royce White, as a Steve Bannon, as a Deion Sanders, to, to navigate society and, and, and with the best knowledge that they have at the time, have the biggest impact and the longest impact on, the, people, on the, the biggest amount of people that they can. And I believe all those people's names that I just said are genuine. I want to make that clear. Donald Trump, Steve Bannon, Alex Jones, Jason Whitlock, Deion Sanders, Hell, even Kanye West, I'll throw him on the list. People who are genuinely trying to navigate how to have the impact on the world that they're trying to have, a positive impact on the world that they're trying to have, but being caught in a, in a crossfire from every angle from the establishment and the people who preside over us. Now, there are people who I don't think are doing it in earnest, who I don't think are genuine. And that's the distinction that we should be making. That's the distinction we should be making. Jason, my good friend, who I love dearly, that's the distinction we should spend our time on. Less definitive, hard to pin down, hard for the audience to follow sometimes, no doubt about it. But that's what we should be spending our time on. Let's separate those who are in on it from those who are ignorant to it. Now, in the, if, if we're going to talk politics, if we're going to be 
cultural commentators. That's a worthwhile thing to discuss. It, it is worthwhile to discuss the difference between being in on it and ignorant to it. Now, for those who are in a position of power and leaders with the hands on the reins at a given moment, they cannot distinguish between who is in on it and who's ignorant to it. No time. The country's going up in flames. The world is going up in flames right now. They have to be decisive and, 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 and confident in making decisions right now. No time to decide, no time to distinguish for those in power who's in on it and who's ignorant to it, because it's the same net result. But as a cultural conversation, which a lot of the people who I mentioned are involved in cultural conversations, mostly. Um, yes, let's 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 talk about being in on it or ignorant to it. And let's try and distinguish between the two. Let's give the people the framework, the intellectual framework to critically think, to, to separate the two from one another. And it's not an exercise done in futility because in the short term, we need to make decisive choices about, about uh, action that can be taken to save the nation and, and save the ship from sinking. And that, that doesn't give us time to distinguish, again, people in power, leaders, to distinguish who's in on it or who's ignorant to it. When the ship is going down, whether you're ignorant to it or you're in on it, we have to be able to save this ship. But in the long term, over the long haul, distinguishing between who was in on it and who was ignorant to it is very beneficial and worthwhile. Because over the long haul, the people who were ignorant to it could in fact become soldiers of the cause. There are plenty of people, even biblically, my fearless Christian friends, even biblically, there were people who were ignorant to the wickedness of their ways, who were brought into the light and became some of the most fierce servants and warriors for God. People whose sin catapults that of anybody we're talking about to our knowledge. Murder. Uh, uh, um, um, all kinds of murder. To, to, let's leave it there. Murder. Stealing, you know, all kinds of things that people did, that 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 people did in, in the Bible, who then later on became servants of God's servants and fierce warriors of God. So those who were who who were ignorant to it, they certainly could be could be brought into the movement. And guess what? Even those who were in on it may be able to be brought into the movement. That's the power of God. I mean, if we really want to get down to to the Christian. The Christian fundamentals of it, which I know many of you won't take because, of course, I'm a Catholic. And what are the Catholics, right? Uh, I, I won't even go into the Protestant Catholic thing here on the show. But, but the point I'm making is even the people who are in on the wicked schemes of Satan can be saved. And to believe that is to be a Christian, right? To believe in the forgiveness of God and, and the and the and the power uh, of the blood of Jesus Christ is to be a Christian, fundamentally. But we have to go through the steps. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no quick answer. There's no quick start here. There's no, there's no quick, uh, uh, you know, solution. We have to go through the steps. Number A, step A, the ship is sinking right now. Step A, 
The ship is on its way down. The country's going up in flames. Society is losing its, its, its marbles around the idea of human rights and freedom and sovereignty. We have to solve that issue first. Then over the long haul, we can start to distinguish through, uh, start to distinguish who's in on it, who's ignorant to it. And as we get further and further away from the crisis, we can start to minister and evangelize those who were ignorant to it first, and then let this new, this new um, bolstered, bolstered populace of people who understand and are living righteously work on and evangelize the people who were in on it. And all the way over there, all the way over there, down the, down, down the chart, all the way down there on that end are people who, have already, who are pure Satanists, and they'll never relinquish that. And that's who we're up against. Now, it's a long walk between those of us who want to live righteously and defend the, the, the word of God and, and um, protect the inalienable rights and freedoms that we've been granted in this country through the belief that there are inalienable rights granted to us by a creator. There's a long walk between us and that, that far end of the spectrum. It's a long walk, and anybody who wants to shortcut it is fooling themselves. They're lying to themselves. And I'm certainly not here to tell you that Donald Trump's going to be that shortcut. He's a step in the right direction. He was, a st- he was and will be a step in the right direction. What Kanye West had to say was a step in the right direction. What Alex Jones has done for 20 years was a step in the right direction. What Steve Bannon has done is a step in the right direction. What Jason Whitlock has done is a step in the right direction. What some of what Ron DeSantis has done is a step in the right direction. Now, here's the deal with Ron, and, and I say this in, 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 with, with, full, with full transparency. Ron is a useful idiot, in my opinion, in much of the way that Deion Sanders is. Same guy, two different sides of the coin. Same guy, two different sides of the coin. Same guy. Unbeknownst to them. And it, look, I can look, Ron has made some hardline decisions on some things that you look, could look at and say that's courageous. And, and, you know, he's the governor of a state. He has a very, very broad um, executive authority in the state of Florida to be able to do a lot of the things he's doing using the pulpit of, of, the, governor, uh, of the governor's office to 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 make a statement for whatever he wants to make a statement for it could be the issue itself it could be the principle or the moral or it could be his own political expediency we don't know we don't know but i'll tell you one thing that certainly is a very good indicator and it's an indicator in the same way that dion has become a symbol of cultural wedge issues the real question right now for American citizens everywhere isn't about cultural wedge issues like abortion or or transgenderism or or being black or or being a woman or or equal pay or the question right now is about the scope of the military industrial complex. The question right now is about the governance of this nation, its citizens and our rights in the face of a global political movement that thinks it 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 
fine to give executive authority in times of crisis or emergency over to foreign foreign bodies to wage war without the consent of Congress, to engage in a potentially nuclear war without the consent of Congress, which is a consent of we the people. And I'm not even saying that if they put it to a vote in Congress that it wouldn't pass because the Congress has been hijacked by these people. This is where we are in our society. I mean, this is how dangerous things have gotten. And I'm not saying transgenderism and, and uh, you know, uh, um, uh, abortion and all these things aren't a symptom and result of this corruption because they certainly are. And they're conversations that we should have. The sanctity of life, absolutely. Let's have that conversation. The precept of human rights and civil rights are, are, are begin with the sanctity of life. If you don't have the sanctity of life, you don't really have human rights or civil rights. So I guess you could look at the abortion issue as a, as a predicate for how we got to a place where we no longer really care about our rights, where we no longer protect our rights from an expansive, exhaustive, and, and corrupt government. Yeah, I guess the two things are connected. Professor Penn here for Ghost Bed. Because sleep is super important to your health, recovery, and performance. I know for me, getting a great night's sleep helps me perform my best throughout the day. Our friends at Ghostbed make super high-quality mattresses at excellent prices so you can finally get a supportive night of sleep. We love Ghostbed because it's a family-owned business. They've been making mattresses for over a couple of decades now, and they've made an art of using high-quality, super-cooling materials. You won't wake up in a pool of your own sweat sleeping in these beds even in the dead of summer. You get a 101-night sleep trial along with free shipping and returns when you purchase a mattress so you can try it in the comfort of your own home. And Ghostbed has a dedicated team of sleep experts on standby to help you find your perfect bed. Head to ghostbed.com upward slash Royce today and use promo code FPR for 40% off site-wide. They also have RV mattresses, foundation sheets, and cooling pillows. Head over to ghostbed.com upward slash Royce and use promo code FPR for 40% off site-wide. What do we solve first? How can we even minister? How can we even minister to these women? The entire culture is upside down. The first stone of it being upside down is that you, the American taxpayer, you, the American taxpayer, have been, who have, has been turned into a serf. You, the American taxpayers, have been turned into serfs where you don't even have enough time or security in your own castle, in your own home, on your own property to properly parent or minister to the people who you come into contact with on a daily basis and breathe the same air as you sleep. Your own family, you don't even have the time. Just in the rat race of trying to survive. And then you lay on top of that a 365-day, 24-7 sports mania. Sports, television, pop culture, entertainment mania. There's your three-card Monty. Of course, of course, it's going to be very hard for us to minister. I mean, there's an entire generation of young women who grew up with no parents but were part of a two-parent household. This is where else Jason and I would disagree. This is where, you know, Delano and I would disagree. Stop talking about the problem is fathers being in the home. Stop saying it. it's fucking bullshit. It really is bullshit. Respectfully. Respectfully to everybody out there. I know this is a commonly wide-held belief, 
certainly about the black community. And yeah, there's a huge problem with fatherless homes. And yeah, the government incentivized black men to be out of the home. I've, I've been a, 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 a victim of it in my own recent life in the family court where it's about child support and using child support and the economics to as a leverage and tool to, to then use the kids to, to wage a, a, a mini war, culture war against the man and, and empower the woman and tell her she's the victim, the perpetual victim of men. I get it. I lived it. I've been in the courtroom. I know it. But stop saying the problem with this country or black America is that they don't have fathers in the home because the, the, the where this country is today, where this country is right now, where this country has been led by its governance was led here by plenty of boomers who come from a generation where they had both parents in the household. Let's be clear. Maybe dad, grandpa went off to war. Maybe dad, grandpa worked a, a, a nine to five job and that's all good. Those are things we should embrace. But the radical materialism, the radical materialism, the departure from a, philosoph a, a philosophical, spiritual and moral culture did not come uh, post the, 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 the dot com era, did, didn't come post Y2K. It got out of control post Y2K. It exploded after Y2K. The guardrails fell off, but the guardrails were weak then. They were weak back then. Let's be honest. I mean, let's, let's, if we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it for real. What is this obsession about having a two? You know how many people didn't get parented that had both parents in the home? And we can look at the numbers of violent crime, being in jail, being, look, a, a, a lot of people's ability to be able to, skate by and not not go to jail or not have legal penalty is if their parents are willing to put up the proper uh, uh, put up money their house or whatever it is for for good enough legal representation that's a reality anybody who doesn't understand anybody who doesn't understand that the law and the, the criminal justice system is a pay-to-play game you're a fucking liar you're a fucking liar you are you either a are in on it or you're ignorant to it you either A, have never been involved in the legal system or the justice system or don't understand the fundamental mechanism of law or lawfare in our country today, or you're in on it. You're in on it. My point is, yeah, young black men are, are a symbol that when, when there are no fathers in the home on a, on a wide basis, yeah, the, the level with which they get out of control is pretty, is pretty extreme. It's extreme in its, in its physical manifestation, but it's no more corrupt. And we got to get clear about that, too. This is a distinction that we must make. It's easy. It's easy for us to look at the young black men that carjack a, a, an elderly person at the gas stop and go, oh, oh, that's the sign of America's decay. Is it? Is it more corrupt that seven young black men who have been indoctrinated by the same establishment that, that preside over them have been brainwashed with radical materialism to think that the, the, the measurement of their life's meaning is their ability to have material things or to, ha to acquire wealth, which in effect is crony capitalism to boot? Um, 
Is it more corrupt for them to carjack somebody at a local gas pump or for the American government to knowingly and willingly allow drugs to flood into our country and whatever violence, extreme violence takes place in order for that to happen? We know about the beheadings in Mexico. We know about about the, the, the you know, the, the mass graves in Mexico, all the things that go along with the cartel being able to have a successful drug trade that funnels right into America. We know the bodies that have been put in. The, we know we know the bodies who have been who have been black bagged in China to allow China to become the, the authoritarian uh, communist bastion that it is. We know what MI6 and Mossad have done all around the world. We know what MI6 and Mossad have done and the Five Eyes have done all around the world in the interest of their own globalist business model of drugs, slavery, and piracy. So who's really the corrupt one? Who are really the corrupt ones? And I'm not saying that young black men aren't in crisis. I'm saying as far as that long road goes between the righteous and the most perverse and satanic of us, we are much more likely to minister to the young black men who are robbing people at the gas pump than we are the party of Davos. And if you don't understand that, if you don't realize the difference, maybe you're ignorant to it, but maybe you're in on it. There is a stark fucking difference. And again, this narrative that, that, that having two parents in the household is is the you know the linchpin of of decay in, in in American society is 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 a lie. It's a downright lie. The institutions that were put in place that preside over us that governed us governed us in the direction that we've been governed in was a crisis of 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 nuclear families. It wasn't a crisis of, of broken nuclear families. It wasn't a crisis of families that were no longer nuclear. It's a crisis. It's a manifestation and crisis of the nuclear family. These institutions were put in place before the 1950s. These institutions were put in place in the 1970s when there still were uh, nuclear, a, a lot of nuclear families, a lot of two-parent households. And even more specifically, the people who ran the scams the people who ran the scams come from married families, come from married households. We have a much, much deeper issue than the institution of marriage and the nuclear family. It's easy. It's an easy point to identify, but it's much, much deeper than that. It's much more pervasive than that. We had a problem with the dynamic between men and women in marriages in nuclear family held households. Now, I hope I'm opening the door to an entirely new conversation that we can hopefully have on, on, on Fearless uh, and, and, and um, start to sort some of these things out. Because I think Fearless is the best conversation happening on the Internet. I'm just going to be honest. Disagreements with the direction, all that, you can, all of that. Fearless is where it's going down at. Fearless is where they, we have descend, descending uh, ideas and disagreements, as you can see. This is where it's going down is on fearless. So yeah, we get away from the we get away from Deion Sanders. Okay, that's fine. 
Dion goes about his way. He has success. He doesn't have a success. Let him say something about the LGBTQ, and you'll see how fast half the black folks who say they support him run for the hills out of their own desire to get checks from the same people who oppress them. It'll make your head spin. It'll make your head spin how fast these people will run away from Deion Sanders. They don't love Dion. We all know that. Now, all of us sportsmen, all of us athletes, all of us, us public figures and celebrity, much of the depression and anxiety that, that we deal with is the knowledge that our, our public approval rests upon the edge of a blade, hangs by a thread, a weak thread at that. And at any moment in time, if we step out of line or if, if, if at any moment in time, in time, our situation, our life doesn't line up with the direction and the sales of the agenda and the establishment, we'll be sacrificed to the wolves in a heartbeat. Dion knows that. Jason knows that. Which is why part of the relief of the anxiety is to be outside of the establishment. I said yesterday on, this, on, on Twitter, you, you liberals better not big dick shame me when I, when I go Morpheus on the Senate floor. You better not be big, you know, trying to big dick shame me, you know, trying to trying to, uh, I don't know, CGI or I don't know, uh, go, you know, go pull some some pictures from 2009 of my penis, you know, from the Nokia, the Nokia phone with with snake on it. No pun intended. I don't even think we had cameras on those phones, the sidekicks or whatever it is. You better not try and big dick shame me when I go Morpheus on the Senate floor. Because it ain't going to work. I'm proud of my member. I said it on Twitter. I'm proud of my member. I'm not cutting it off. I will not cut my member off for you white liberals. Not ashamed. What you're trying to do to Russell Brand's despicable. What you try to do to Michael Irvin, despicable. That's Dion's teammate. Remember, not too long ago, they tried to meet to Michael Irvin. You think it ain't coming for Dion? Dion got to live in a bubble right now. I feel bad for Dion. Dion probably got to live in a bubble right now, the, the, the scrutiny. They're just waiting for him to trip up. Oh, they, they can't wait. As long as he toes the line, he, he, he's partially safe. He's par but there's a bigger agenda than college football. Understand that. We have this disproportionate cultural importance for sports. We have this disproportionate cultural uh, uh, love and, and attention for sports. When the establishment doesn't think that way, all of us are just pawns on the board. We're interchangeable. We're interchangeable. They don't care how good Ja Moran is. They don't care how, come on, man. They didn't care how good Kobe Bryant was. They didn't care how good Kobe Bryant was. They couldn't wait to march a Gail King or a Oprah out there with some white woman's wig to talk about how dangerous and predatory men can be. Not once has Gail King or, or, or Oprah Winfrey ever talked about Norma McCorvey and their advocacy for abortion and Roe v. Wade. Not once have they talked about how Norma McCorvey lied on four men and said she was raped to try and, to try and win a, a, a court case that would, that would uh, legalize or permit her to get an abortion. Lied on four men. And it wouldn't surprise me if one of them was black. It wouldn't surprise me if four of them were black. Norma McCorvey down there in Texas having a gangbang with four black guys and another woman. She gets pregnant, and now she wants to have an abortion, and she's willing to lie and say they raped her. When has Oprah or Gayle King ever covered that story? But they jumped up quick when it was Kobe Bryant 
And a lot of these black bourgeoisie and a lot of these 501c3 Christians said he shouldn't have been having sex outside his his marriage anyway. So, you know, uh, you know, he, he made his bed. He has to lie in it. Same thing they're saying about Russell Brand. Used to be a Democrat, used to be promiscuous, used to lay in the bed with with fleas and dogs. So, you know, if you lay with filth, you get what you deserve. OK. You can say that if you want to, it's going to come for you. And when it comes for you, it ain't a big, it ain't going to be about what you did or didn't do. Trust me, if there's nothing for them to find, they'll make shit up. I mean, y'all don't even realize the danger of AI and chat GPT. You don't even realize the danger of the phone that you're, you're, you're working on. The phone you might be watching this on, you don't even realize the danger of that. Who knows what they're smuggling into your emails or, or whatever it is to, to uh, you know, potentially bring you up on some trumped up charges. We don't know what they're capable of doing. We don't know who they're capable of bribing off. We don't know what the, 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 the point that I'm making is we all like to sit down on a Saturday afternoon, watch the football game and hope to God. Even us atheists uh, hope to God that we don't find ourselves in the crosshair of the most powerful people in the world because in the face of it, we'd had no power to fight back against them. That's what the United States constitution created. That's what the United States constitution gave each and every sovereign citizen, the ability to have confidence in fighting back against, uh, uh, in fighting back against falling into the crosshairs of the most powerful people in the world. We lost that. We've lost that. Now we're in a knockdown, drag out, uh, uh, nail biter against the establishment. And it hangs upon a thread. It, it, it rests upon the edge of a blade. And if we on the conservative side and the conservative movement get caught up in these bullshit cultural narratives, and we don't place the proper priority on the proper things, we will lose. We will lose, and it'll get worse. And then we can really put your faith to the test. See, everybody says they have faith. Everybody says they're willing to die. They're not afraid. Everybody says they, they, they love God. Go read about the gulags in Russia. Go read about the, the, the death camps in, in, in Nazi Germany. Read the testimony of the people that were in them and how they watched people renounce their faith or lose their faith. Everybody thinks that they everybody thinks that they're that they're righteous. But we all sort of have this posh, prosperous way to reflect our righteousness and our faith. You wanna you wanna you wanna play games? You you wanna you wanna fuck around and find out? Let let's 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 up the ante. I said it the other day on October 4th, they plan to have a national emergency broadcast test. That's the word going around, that the, there's going to be a national uh, broadcast service, probably because we know we're provoking Russia into a nuclear war. And they know what many of us don't know is that the Russians and the Chinese and, and whoever else we may be at war with have the capacity to reach us here in America. I'm not saying they do. I'm not saying they don't. But National emergency broadcasts are a relic of a time when we were at war with countries. And we're at war now. And they may be even staging a false flag. I don't know. What I said the other day is, if right now today, 
a message came across your TV, your phone screen, your laptop, your desktop, your, your, your iPad, or whatever it is that you watch or listening to, if a, if, a, if a broadcast came across right now and said, this is an emergency, this is not a test, we are in the process of organizing a response, an emergency crisis response team to the homes of all Americans to bring you to FEMA camps for your own safety, 95% of you motherfuckers would go. We'll see how much faith you have on that day. We'll see how righteous you are on that day. We'll see how, how, how strong the armor of God is for you on that day. Then we'll see. Then we'll see. Your faith is tested when, when, you're, when you're in the shadow of death, right? That's when your faith is tested the most. So we'll see. We'll see. In the meantime, in the interim, stop with the bullshit storylines. I'm getting sick of it. The father's not being in the home. Are you people high? Are you people drunk? It's just as much of a chance in this morally decadent society that two parents in the household with a kid would fuck that kid up just as much if he was out on the street by himself. And that's a real indictment of American culture and modern culture. Sad to say, but true. With as batshit crazy as the majority of you motherfuckers are, it's just as likely that the two parents in the household would come together and fuck their kid up in dramatic, collaborative fashion as if the kid was on the street learning the way of the world by himself. See, when you're in the street by yourself, you learn reality as it is. You learn survival. And in learning survival, sometimes you do things that are wrong. Sometimes you do things that are great, that are legendary, that are honorable. That's for each man who's out there in the survivalist mentality to figure out. This is the rugged individualist. Yeah, yeah. I might come. I might come to a to a saloon uh, in, uh, in in Carson City in the Wild West back in the day, and a man uh, try my. Uh, manhood in the saloon, right? And we may have to go outside and duel at 10 paces. We might have to, we might have, to have a, a quick draw, right? Might have to have a standoff, Mexican standoff, as they called it. Maybe, maybe it's three people. Maybe we're in a good old-fashioned Mexican standoff. Hey, that could happen. But the convenience we've built and the level of, of, of uh, the level of bullshit we've convinced ourselves of in that convenience is profound. It's profound. Stop acting like the pa parents in the household. You, you want to talk about what the real problem is with society? We've, we've literally um, we've literally abnegated the role of parenting to the schools. You got communists and Marxists teaching your children. Two parents in the household or not. That's part of the problem. Now, when you get enough of a big, a big enough pool of people in the hands of the Marxists, you're going to have some ones who go way off the rails, the kamikazes. 
And I told you before, and I'll tell you again, these Marxists are not interested in the redistribution of resources. They're not interested in the redistribution of wealth. They're interested in gaining the reins of political power, and they're going to be just as authoritarian as anybody they criticize when they get the reins. They're doing it now. And what do you think? They, what, why do you think they're making the laws so that crime is abundant? in black, young black men or all across the country in general, why do you think they're making the crime abundant before they bring in an artificial intelligent social credit score police state? They're going to make you beg for tyranny. That's who these people are. They're going to make you beg for tyranny out of the fear of young black men, out of the fear of young Antifa members. Or or whatever else, whatever other fear porn they're 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 throwing in your in your cup of fucking coffee. They're gonna make you beg for tyranny. Two three parents in the two parents in the household, a grandfather, a grandmother, maybe a, a, a grandparent in the household as well. Nobody has a license to carry. Nobody knows how to shoot a gun. You want the fucking police to come save you. You want more cops. You want to bolster the police state. So when the social credit score comes and the vaccine mandates come back, they could come knock on your door in greater numbers. I said it the other day about Russell Brand and, and, and these women who come with these allegations 10 years later. Well, for what? Number one, we don't believe you. It's, dis, it's disingenuous, it's dishonest on face value. Because women who really get raped, let me tell you what they do. They go to the police station on day one and say, I was knocked over the head in a, in, a, in a parking ramp on my way coming home from work, didn't know what happened, and, and I was raped. And as a consequence, not only do I need to file a police report, but I also would like to investigate and try and get a restraining order or bring this person to justice. That's what happens. They don't wait for 10, 11 years to tell some, some fucking gossip column writer. And the women who, 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 are, who unfortunately, you know, run into this type of, of tragedy and they haven't been brainwashed by communists and Marxists, what they do is they go out, they take the class, get a license to carry, they get a 9mm sidearm, and the next guy who tries to even carjack or snatch their purse, they put 10 rounds in his chest, and he's not dangerous anymore. And that's what every one of you American citizens should be getting ready for now. Go out, get your license to conceal and carry, start to conceal and carry, start going to the range and practicing shooting and defending yourself, because I guarantee you, Jason, Delano, TJ, Shamika, Steve Kim, Pastor Anthony, I guarantee you, the police will not come help you. And that goes for everybody else watching as well. You want to have some cultural debate about police and citizens and who's right and who's wrong? Nobody's right. Nobody's right. Yeah, young black men knocking women over the head and stealing their purse is the most despicable, disgraceful, dishonorable thing a young man could ever engage in, for sure. That don't make the police noble or righteous. The police are a security force for the corporatocracy. Why the fuck do you think they always show up late? They show up after the fact. Why? 
Why do you think the rule is? Why do you think the unspoken rule is as police officers make it home? Hell, that's that. That's a reasonable and sensible thing for a police officer, police officer to think who actually knows how the police function and that they've been thrown in the crosshairs of the decay in this society. That's a reasonable thing to think. If I was a police officer, I'd think the same fucking thing. I'm making it home because I know this society is going down the shitter and I'm just here to collect a paycheck and do whatever I can to, to maintain the peace and order. Really, it's law and order. And to finish here, I just want to say on this tangent, I think it sums it up. The great St. Thomas Aquinas, Catholic, put it very, very well. It's not law and order we want. It's peace and order we want. It's peace and order, not law and order. We don't want law and order. That's not who America needs to be when it grows up. And we are still a very young nation. We're at war with a 5,000-year-old civilization, China. Thousands of year old civilization in Russia. We are not European. We are American. We're a very young nation. When we grow up, we don't want law and order. We want peace and order. And as St. Thomas Aquinas so eloquently stated, when man submits his passion to his reason and his reason to God, he can have peace. When he can have peace within himself, he can begin to have peace and thus order with others. It's not law and order we want. It's peace and order we want. When man submits his passions to his reason, he can begin, and his reason to God, he can begin to have peace. When he can begin to have peace within himself, he can then start to build peaceful relationships with other men thus resulting in order. It's peace and order we want, not law and order. And this obsession with the rule of law and law and order is exactly what has many people in America, whether you be conservative or liberal, marching themselves slowly into the shooting gallery of authoritarianism and tyranny. Dion, we wish you the best. Continue to coach football. If you can, Find some sacred honor to stand up on that spot, on that podium, on that spotlight and say something that has some substance to it, because this is the most dangerous time in American history. And being a football coach ain't so secure. I don't know what plans you have for the next several years for yourself or your two sons. But I'll tell you right now where I'm at, what I'm listening to, what I'm watching, the future, the next several years for my sons or your sons does not look too bright. It doesn't look too predictable even. Doesn't look like any of our plans will actually be reasonable given what we're about to come up against. So if you can, find, a, 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 find the courage and the sacred honor and an even a level deeper, the national honor. Find the Christian in you to stand up on that podium over this next run of spotlight and say the most powerful and transformative thing you can to help, help save this country and this society. If you don't, hey, just another football coach, just like you were just another football player. And when your time is up, it's up. You and I both know the truth. You and I both know the reality. Enjoy it while you can. But legacy, 
Legacy is about what you leave behind. To my dear friend Jason Whitlock, I love you. The time for Deion Sanders is done. We're done. Done, done with it. And to be quite honest, you are and could potentially be one of the most important political voices in American history, my friend. You may be one of the most important voices in American history. Own it. Double and triple down on it. If you lose people because you don't want to talk about sports as much, so be it. We don't need 10 million sports, sports cucks. We don't need 10 million sports fanatics to join the movement to save this country. We need 100,000 hitters. We need 100,000 patriots. We need 100,000 Christians to stand up and demand sovereignty, demand that their American citizenship be grown in its value, be grown in its value, not undermined, not sold out. That's what we need, and that's, that, that's the most important. There is nothing else right now. There is God, family, and country in that order. There is God, family, and country. There is nothing else. So far as sports can help articulate the direness of the situation we're in, fine. Fine. So be it. Great. Have at it. But, you know, <laughs> direct energy weapons? Direct energy weapons? Remote viewing? I don't know if it's real. I mean, I know the direct energy weapons are real. Remote viewing, I don't know if it's real. Certainly there's a lot of money being spent by the intelligence community in the deep state to, to engage in remote viewing. Remote viewing, human psychic ability? I don't know. We've been lied to. Forest fires, wildfires, wild stock, livestock, farmland being sold off to Bill Gates. Biden administration saying that COVID's on the way back, that they're going back to mask mandates before the COVID spike even happens. That people need to get boosted again. The Authorization Act of Emergency Powers over our government in times of health crisis? You kidding me? I give a flying fuck about football. In fact, this Saturday afternoon, if Colorado happens to be on TV, I think I'm going to treat and use football for exactly what it was meant to be, what ex what it is exactly what it what it's best as. A one to two hour sitting where you where you carve time out to watch young men, men, young people, or any people come together in collaboration surrender their selfish ambition, their selfish pride and ego for a greater result. Two teams doing the same thing, going head to head and watching who has the, the resilience and, the, and the, um, the resilience, the skill to come out victorious. That's what I'm going to do this Saturday when it comes to Colorado. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit down and watch, tune in, 
two hours, and then I'm back to saving the fucking country. That's the only grace period you should get. If you love, if you love sports, you love football, more power to you. Just like you, how much screen time you, okay, how much time am I really uh, consumed with sports? And I'm not saying it for everybody. I'm, I'm talking to, to the people who, who, are, who are charged with leadership. This is for you. We know that there are a bunch of uh, uh, fanatic uh, do- dopamine and serotonin manipulated lemmings that have no idea which way is up or fucking down. We know they exist. The question is, do we have time to minister to them? Do they have a shot in hell at helping us in this fight to save this country? And what is the strategy? What is the political, spiritual, social strategy to win the battle that we are currently in? When you're in a battle and you're surrounded by your enemies, the first and most logical thing to do is to get your back up to a place that you can now properly defend, where you can see all of your opponents out in front of you. Because as long as you're surrounded, you're in a bad spot. You're in a bad spot. Get your back up against the wall so you can see the threats in front of you and know that there's nothing behind you. Right now, we're out in the middle of the field. Middle of the field with our enemies on all sides. It's not tenable. It's not tenable. And the only way to get our back up against the wall is to draw a line in the sand about what the priority should be intellectually and then start to defend from there. This has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy brought to you by Free People Radio, powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us. Help fund the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, which is exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis. And I want to say thank you for your listenership and your viewership today and in the future. Godspeed to the great Jason Whitlock and the incredible Fearless Army. I love you. I can't wait to see what this next chapter brings. Godspeed to Deion Sanders. Godspeed to his sons. Sacred honor and national honor are right there, right there for you on the podium. All you need do is, is step up and, and wear, the, wear the shoes. Help us save the country. Help us save the society. Help us get the reins. Help, help us get the reins back on this, 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 this whole deal. Help us. Help us. You believe in God? Great. The discussion about God has never been more important. Minister to the people around you. The real measure of a man in times like this is his ability to lead. Leading's not always easy. It's difficult. It can be lonely. It can be wounding. Still necessary. And it's really not an option. Because God knows if you had the ability to lead and you chose not to. So Godspeed to Deion Sanders and his sons. Godspeed to the Colorado football team. I wish you luck and continued success. I had fun watching you the other day against Colorado State. Hell, 
double overtime. I said two hours. That game turned into three hours. I was sitting in the fourth quarter here in Minnesota at 12 a.m., 12.30 a.m. I'm like, one eye open. Still watching the game because, I mean, as a sportsman, when a game gets that close, you can't really turn, turn it off. But as soon as I was done, as soon as I was done, I was back to ch- checking the, nation, uh, the Federal Register. And all of you should become familiar with the Federal Register. If you're going to watch college football this Saturday, if you're going to watch NFL football this Sunday, if you're going to watch Major League Baseball, if you're going to go to your kid's Little League game, I don't care what you're doing. If you're going to be involved in sports, you better understand, you better become familiar with the Federal Register, at least understand what your government's doing. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.